0: Hi, before I get started on this week's podcast, I wanted to just let everybody know how thankful I am that you've listened, that you've shared it, that you've emailed me, that you've commented. It means a lot to me. It kind of, you know, it's that thing that says, okay, you should keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is valuable. Because I don't want to just keep putting stuff out into the world that maybe doesn't need to be out there. Maybe my voice doesn't need to be heard. Maybe there's other voices to elevate. Well, I definitely know there's other voices to elevate. And that brings me to the next thing. This will be the last, um, probably the last official podcast of this season. This is season three. I'll do something next week, but it'll be kind of probably an overview of everything that has happened over the course of season three. Some highlights, let's call it a highlight reel. And then I will be taking at least February off, maybe all of March too, but probably coming back sometime mid-March. So keep um, keep your eyes peeled for when I do come back. And when I do come back, I'm going to be shifting gears just a little bit. The podcast will probably stay much the same in the sense that I will still interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I will also... Be spending quite a bit more of the podcast energy on spiritual direction, soul friendship, companioning. Those are all different names for spiritual direction, but basically what I do. Because I've been told by a few different people that this podcast to them feels like spiritual direction, that it's been very meaningful for them at different phases in their life where maybe they haven't had the money or the time or even the capacity to meet with a spiritual director that I'm providing that. And so I do want to, to want to really listen to what people have said and spend more time on that element. Now, I'm not fully sure what that's going to look like, but I know that um, one of the things that will happen, I'm going to l- be looking for people that are willing to do something similar to what Adriana wanted to do with me last week. And that was almost like having a spiritual direction session. I can um, change the names and edit all that stuff out, but I would like to have even, even maybe once a month offer a spiritual direction appointment as a podcast. Because I know a lot of people really don't understand spiritual direction. I mean, I didn't. Um, When I got into this, I really didn't know what it was. I just went back to school. I wanted to be a better minister for the community that I was helping minister to at the time. And it seemed like a good course forward. And then as I got deeper into it, I realized what a beautiful way of just being with somebody is to hold that space, to listen to offer, but the emphasis really being on learning from each other, which is, I believe, unique to spiritual direction. So stay tuned just for some changes. And I also, again, I I think I've said this a few times, but if you have ideas, if you have people that you would really like me to reach out to to interview, if you're interested in me interviewing you for the podcast, please Contact me. I'm, I'm really interested in continuing to keep this podcast something that is for you, by you, with you, all of the things. Because it's not just me doing what I think. It's It's us kind of creating a spiritual community, whatever that means. I don't even really know. I guess what I mean by spiritual community is a place to talk about spiritual things. And I think when it's applied with a lens of Christianity, or when Christians hear the word spiritual community, it means church. That is not what this is. Spiritual community to me means talking about all of what spirituality holds, and that is across religions that is nature that's paganism that's the whole thing and not being afraid to to have those kind of conversations um that those kind of conversations change us stay tuned thank you again for listening and here we go Welcome to the last official episode of season three of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am on the unceded land of the Multnomah, Cathlamet, Clackamas, Calitz Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and many other tribes that made their homes along the Columbia River. Thank you for listening, everybody. Before I get into this episode, I do want to say that there will be moments where you can pause, you can take a break, you can have a think about what I'm saying. I wanna, I wanted to give it space and let it breathe. I guess that's a good way to put it. But before I get started, I want you to, if you're able to get into a place where you can center down. And what I mean by that is whatever you do to meditate, um, if you meditate, if you're in your car, don't do this while you're driving. (laughs) If you're walking, you can do this while you're walking. Just get into a place where you can focus on what I'm going to say because I'm going to say a few things and then I'm going to kind of lead you in a grounding, centering practice. I want to start with some things that I've learned from Rezma Mimikin, the author of My Grandmother's Hands. And we're going to be taking a page from his book today before we get started. I'm going to be talking about deconstruction. And when we're talking about deconstruction, it can be full of painful and let's call them landmine experiences where we may not even know what's going on, but we might feel something in our body or, you know, just a feeling of not wanting to continue. And that's completely fair. If you don't want to continue, then shut off this podcast and go about your business. <laughs> there, There is no, you're not hurting my feelings if you listen to yourself. In fact, there's nothing would bring me greater joy than to have you listen to your still small voice inside of you. I call it your inner wisdom. But one of the things that I learned from him, I think I knew it before, but he uses language that helped me unlock something. And he gets into it on the first page of the book really, getting into the book. And that's this idea of paying attention to different things that happen while you're listening or reading something and it's just becoming aware like is there constriction in your body is your heart pounding do you start to sweat is it maybe it's more subtle than that is there something going on in your body that you could just acknowledge and by acknowledge I just mean see it notice it maybe for you it it might be more than acknowledge it might be okay that's kind of big Angie said I could take a break at any time, so I'm going to tap out, shut this podcast off and go about my business. It's kind of creating a space, a container where you can pay attention to your body because our body has signals and those signals are important for us to pay attention to, especially when we're talking about something that could be full of painful things we should expect to maybe have some reactions in our body, maybe have some sweating, some tightening of the jaw, the neck, the shoulders. Everybody's different. It comes out in everybody in different ways. So it may be completely different. It may not be something that I mentioned. But before we start, I just want you to make a commitment to yourself that you will try to notice And if you notice, that's all you need to do. And if for you it's more, then give yourself what you need. And if you don't know what that is, then err on the side of caution and pause the podcast and again, go about your business, do whatever you need to do, give yourself some loving kindness, some tenderness. And then if you feel like you can, come back. That's all we can do. Now, if you haven't found a comfortable place, a place where you feel like you have room to do a body-centered practice, pause the podcast and go find that place right now, because that's what we're gonna do. Okay, wherever you're at, if you're sitting, if you're lying down on your bed or your couch, I want you to get comfortable. I'm sitting in my office chair. I wouldn't call it comfortable, but <laughs> it is. it is what I have. My feet are firmly on the floor. I have my hands resting on the tops of my thighs, right by my knees and start to breathe. Do some deep breaths through your nose and out your mouth. And as you breathe, I like to meditate with my eyes closed, but I know that's not everybody's jam. So if you prefer to have your eyes open, have them open, but half closed, kind of, for lack of a better word, blurring your vision. And as you breathe in, I want you to feel the rise of your shoulders with each breath. And on your out breath, you can feel your shoulders relax. On your in breath, you feel your shoulders and your chest and your belly rise. And as you breathe out, you feel it relax. Do this three or four more times. And as you breathe You might notice a place in your body that is holding or is constricted. Just notice that. For me, it's almost always my jaw. And as soon as I started to breathe, I noticed my jaw, and I could, after three or four breaths, feel it begin to relax. Wherever that is for you, as you breathe in and out, just notice that place. You don't have to do anything, just notice it. Just notice it. Just pay attention to it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fix it. Just notice it as you breathe in and as you breathe out. That's all you have to do. I am here now. I am present now. I am here now. I am present now. I am here now! I am present now! I am here now! I am present now. And that is enough. (sighs) That is enough. You are enough. Keep breathing. And whenever you feel finished, return to the room. Look around you. (sighs) Look up at the ceiling. Look at the floor or your feet, look to the right, to the left, look behind you, re-enter this space, re-enter the place that you're in. felt good I don't know about you every time I center or meditate I feel a little bit better and then I could hear this little voice in my head going not every time and that's true let's be honest not every time but most of the time I feel better every time I'm glad that I did it or I'm glad that I tried even if it's for 30 seconds I'm always glad that I tried. And most of the time I do feel better. Typically the more strict or conservative the, you know, the religion you grew up in, the harder and more isolating it can be. But that's not across the board. I thought I would start by really talking about my story of deconstruction as best as I can, because I am, you know, I think 18 years into it now, and um, it's changed a lot. And I had the benefit of deconstructing in a faith community that was very open to my questions and very open to me railing and being angry and having grief. And that is a very unique experience. And I think a lot of people do not get to deconstruct that way. When I talk about my deconstruction, I also want to hold that in the center of the conversation that my experience is very unique. I was in a church called The Bridge, I was recently back in the United States, had just gotten married. I think I was pregnant at the time. I don't think, I don't think Zion was born yet. But maybe you know, I'm terrible at dates, as as I've said here before. But it was sometime in that, because I I had Zion um, a year and a half after after we got married. So so it's all jumbled in there. I guess that's what I'm saying. But I remember my deconstruction happening pretty quickly once i started going to the bridge and the bridge was a brand new church we had been a part of the original group before there were before there was a church building and i think probably i had been in some kind of deconstruction when i was living overseas over the course of that 7 years but because questions were okay and it wasn't loaded with me leaving anything behind. It didn't feel like that. And I was around so many different um, so many different types of belief, mainly um, Christian, but from all you know from all different practices of the Christian faith, so none of us were the same. And so I think, It's one of those things where when you're in that kind of a group, when you're in that um, stew pot of people and the way they express their faith, and it's so different than maybe the way you grew up, there's always questions. There's always interesting conversations going on. So I'm pretty sure I was in some kind of deconstruction then, but it was not any leaving behind anything. It was so full of getting new things and new understanding. And I think in some ways, for some people, that is also what deconstruction is, but I wouldn't have called it that at the time. Um, And then I came to the bridge and we helped plant that church and um, so much was different. There was... This is really funny now because I have such a potty mouth. But um, you know, there was swearing, there was drinking, there was smoking, and the people that started the really started the bridge. Deborah and Ken Lloyd and Crystal Kennedy had this saying that we care about the things that really matter, and they didn't care about your smoking or your drinking or your swearing. They cared about what was going on inside of you. And maybe out of that, some of that was medicating, but it really wasn't the issue because they didn't believe that that was an issue for God. And for me, that was was transformative. And then the music in the church was radical and the people in the community were radical in the sense that they were pushing the boundaries of what christianity could be and in my mind christianity up into that point had been full of healing and miracles and life-changing experiences but also full of you know this the strict religious nature that I grew up in, where if you weren't healed, there was a problem inside of you. If you were a woman, you couldn't really do anything but lead children. Um, If you were gay, you weren't accepted. Um, I mean, that didn't even include conversations about trans people at the time. But it was all full of what you can't do. And what is wrong with you? And never about, I've, I never felt like it was about a God that um, loved you. You know, there was all this talk about God is love. And yet, other than when I was a very young child, before um, church had gotten in and messed up my connection to God, I wasn't experiencing the love of God. I was experiencing the judgment of God, the displeasure of God, and the not enough, um, that I was never going to be enough, that there was never going to be a place for me within the church um, as a woman. Now, as somebody that um, identifies as a queer woman, there would definitely not be a place. And for me... Now it's not about the church. Um, I mean, a lot of my clients are in the church or have left the church. But um, yeah, my experience is so far beyond church, church being walls, church being people, whatever. But the bridge had all of these people looking at their sexuality, looking at their gender, pushing what they thought God was in music and language and art. And um, I guess you could say I got radicalized, but as I was becoming something different, as I was transforming, there was all this grief and fear and um, loss at the same time. And I think that that, needs to be talked about in deconstruction is, um, for me, there was so much beauty, but when you are trained to believe a certain way and you start to question that belief, then all you know is separation from creator. Call it God, call it spirit. There isn't a middle ground. The church hasn't created or... Religion hasn't left room for the middle spaces. And God is about the middle spaces. God is not about right and wrong, and if you do this, you're in, and if you do that, you're out. God is all about the middle spaces. For me, to grow into the ability to find that was painful, Because there was so much fear that, I think, I think there's a couple big fears. The big, the, one of the biggest fears was that I would lose God. And that is a possibility. You may lose God in your deconstruction. And the other fear was God would reject me with that You know, there's so many other things that potentially you can lose. You know, your partner, your church, your friends, your parents, your grandparents, your extended family. Because people love black and white and they love binary. Spirit, God, deconstruction does not exist in binary. It is in that middle space. When you're in that beginning, you know, and the beginning can last a very long time. The beginning of your deconstruction, it feels or it can feel very hopeless, very isolating. Because who do you talk to if you're in a community of people that are not open to the questions, aren't open to holding that space with you? It can be very. I would even say dangerous, to talk to to the wrong people. And you don't even necessarily really know what you want to say. So you don't know how to talk to somebody, who to talk to. You pick a spiritual director and they are not open to that kind of conversation, which I think is not spiritual direction. That's my personal opinion. Or you talk to your spouse and they're probably afraid of losing you to... I don't even know what, like the devil or atheism, you know? So these are real things. And for me, I think, again, I was in a different situation. Todd had done a lot of questioning because he had been with a lot of these people in our community before the church, and he had been able to question And also, he's a white guy in the United States, and they are allowed to question. They're encouraged to question, and they're encouraged to be mad. It can tend to be different for women, you know, because we are not encouraged to question. We are not encouraged to push. We are not encouraged to get angry and let our anger lead us somewhere. We are encouraged to follow and be quiet. So if you are in that place, I just want to acknowledge that it is hard. And it's hard to stay there because there isn't an end. There's no, you don't know when it's going to end or if it is going to end or if you're going to arrive anywhere. That is the hard part about deconstruction. And and when I think about deconstruction, the purest example that I can compare it to, like the path of deconstruction, is the path of grief. It is very similar because, you know, deconstruction is full of its own grief. And if you know about the stages of grief, there is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I have done all of those in deconstruction. They are not linear. They don't necessarily happen one after the other. And then when you reach acceptance... It's over and you've arrived and you're done grieving or you arrive and you're done deconstructing. Maybe for you, it, it happened in that order, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And then I guarantee you, you're not done. And it's probably more like popcorn. Some days you're angry, some days you're in denial, or some days you're bargaining and accepting or back and forth. It's, If you truly lose somebody that you love, you are never done grieving. And it'll look different, and it'll change, and maybe the heat and the electricity of it are not as sharp. But you're never going to stop grieving for them. You're never going to stop missing them. The ache will feel different, but the ache will still be there. Maybe in a way that that, that's different from deconstruction, but with deconstruction, there is so much loss with it. There's the loss of certainty. There's the loss of guarantees. There's the loss of people who you thought were your friends. There is the loss of faith, potentially. There is the loss of a religion that you understood and worked for you to a degree. There are a thousand more questions and very few answers. There is loneliness and there is a lot of unknown. We humans like to know. And so for me, but I I did it intentionally. I put those things down and I did not pick them up until I felt that inner wisdom inside of me go, okay, do you want it? Do you want to try this? Do you want to see if it still feels good? Do you want to see if it fits? How does it feel? Much like the start of the podcast today. How does it feel? What are you noticing? And most of the things that I used to do in my charismatic evangelical upbringing, I don't do anymore. Sometimes, sometimes I'll get an inclination to speak in tongues and I'll do it. Because I trust myself because I'm, I've built that container that says, let's see how this feels. But for the most part, I would pick those things back up, try them on, and end up putting them back down again. much like the Bible I don't read anymore. Now, does that mean I never read a scripture? No. Sometimes I'll get something occurring in my head and I'll look it up. Do I think scripture is bad? No. I do know that scripture is loaded. And most of my scripture came from white, controlling, older men that used it whether they were aware of it or not, does not matter, used it to control other people, mainly women and children. Do I think those men are bad? No, not, not all of them, some of them. They were doing what they were taught and not questioning it, and that's the problem. Much like white supremacy, you are doing what you were taught and not questioning it and educating yourself Away and out of it, and making restitution where you can. So, for me, that Bible piece is um, controversial. And again, I don't think the Bible is bad. And for some people, the Bible didn't come to them that way, so they don't, it doesn't have the same thing. But for somebody else, maybe prayer is too hard and they can't do it. So, they have to find another way. If they desire connection with spirit, they have to find another way to do it. And maybe that's walking in the woods. Maybe that's um, through plant medicine. Maybe that's um, through the tarot. Maybe that's lighting candles, um, saying the rosary. I don't know what it is. And for some people, it's nothing yet. And it may never be anything because deconstruction is different from, for every person, just like grief is. One of the ways that I see deconstruction is much like the horizon, you know, when you go to the ocean and it looks like there's no end to it, but the sun is going down. Or you see a mountain, you're on, you're on a hike and you're like, I gotta get to the mountain. I've gotta get to the mountain. You've never gotten to this mountain before. And as you walk and as you hike, there's certain points where it looks like it's closer. And then there's other points where you get to that point that looked like it's closer and it still seems miles away. And some days you're exhausted and you can't even go two feet. And some days you eat a good snack and you can walk farther and faster and more energetically than you've ever walked. That is my deconstruction there are still days and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this today. There are still days where I go but I still don't know fully how to be and that's not religious or spirit. That's just there's some days that those old things still creep in and I don't know how to be and I want to know how to be and instead of putting on how to be or doing the old, I have to stay in that tension of not having a way and just staying in the tension of, you know, not knowing or not having the answer when I really want to have the answer to something, when I really want a way forward and I don't really have it because I don't have the same go tos I used to have. I'm going to leave it at that for right now. If you want to take a break and just think about what I've said and maybe think about your own con- deconstruction or how it's affected you, this would be a good time to do it. Oh, so we're back. not sure what you were able to discover or if you just needed to kind of breathe and process. Um... It is important just like any transformational process because deconstruction is transformational. And by transformational, we are transforming whether we reconstruct and stay in a church or a mosque or a temple. We are transforming. We are not the same as we were when we started, even if. We end up with a lot of our beliefs intact. We are not the same. We we can't be. I'm mainly doing this podcast for people that are staying in deconstruction and aren't, you know, trying to get necessarily to get somewhere just to give themselves space and room to be where they're at there are people who can't do it and i understand and if you can't do it if you can't stay in the deconstruction process and you need to go back to church because that's where you get support or you need to go back to temple and back or back to mosque because that's where you get support you need to do what is best for you some of the things i'm going to say then won't really mean anything to you because this is for people who are on the journey of deconstruct deconstruction and come hell or high water they are going to stay so what do we do here so for me i am you know probably 19 or 20 years into this process I am at peace. I talk about this a lot on here that I am at peace with having more questions than answers. I hope to end up with more questions than answers when I die. I don't want to have the answers. I live in the paradox. And when this deconstruction first started, the paradox was terrifying to me. The idea that You know, I didn't believe in hell was terrifying to me that I didn't know what I believed about heaven or what heaven was, was terrifying to me. And now those things I can keep in that middle space and not have answers for and not really worry about. And that is mainly because I've been in it so long and I made an agreement with myself to be in it because it's that initial pain it's it's very similar to what Renee Brown says and i can't remember if it's 10 seconds or 30 seconds but she says something like you can do the hard thing for 10 seconds 30 seconds you can do a hard thing for that long because by the time it's the engagement it's the the first step in it's the it's the it's the acknowledging that that i i don't know what i believe or I don't know if I believe this. It's those first moments that are the hard thing. Now, it'll be hard at different times. It's hard when we are rejected by people. It's hard when our parents think that we're going to hell. And they're constantly trying to get us saved because they don't understand wherever you are. They don't don't understand the process that you're in. And frankly, they don't appreciate it so this isn't about them but it is very discouraging when you are a human trying to do the right thing for yourself and not hurt people in the process and your parents or aunts and uncles are trying to get you saved i think it is it is equally hard when you do have a spiritual practice maybe you do believe in in a creator and to them because it is not going to church on sundays or saturdays or going to mosque or participating in ramadan that if it doesn't look like theirs it is not real and it is not spiritual and it is not valuable that is painful and it is valuable what you are doing the process that you're in is a transformative process that has value just because. And whatever you decide to partake in or do that is part of your spiritual practice is valuable whether the people are around you the, uh, the whether whether the people are around around you value it or not. And it is painful when they don't. And it is painful when we lose friends. And it is painful when people get kicked out of churches or whatever religious institution they're a part of because they're questioning. All of that is painful. So what do we do? Not everybody has the benefit of a trusted friend that they can talk to. But that is the first thing that I would suggest is if you, if you have a partner that is trustworthy and can hold this space or has gone through some of this th- themselves, talk to that person. If you have a friend that has gone through this or is going through this or is safe for you, talk to that friend. If you've already tried those things and it has backfired and become hurtful or people are trying to do an intervention on you, then do not talk to the people in your life. Find a spiritual director that can hold that space, like me. Be very choosy, you know. If if you are interviewing a spiritual director or soul friend, companion... Treat it like you would treat a doctor or a therapist. Ask questions. For me, I am not going to, I'm, in, I'm on the search for getting a doctor that works in perimenopause and menopause stuff. Now, I refuse to go to a doctor that is not queer, friendly, fat, positive, trauma-informed just to name a few. So when I pursue these things, these people, before I even enter into a conversation with them, I lead with an email that says all of that, this is the doctor I'm looking for. Are you fat, positive, queer, supportive, trans, supportive, um trauma-informed, you know, all of these things. and, And by their answer, I'll know. So I'll know, you know, A, B, or C person, maybe, no. I'll know by their answer. Do the same with a spiritual director. They don't know you, so ask whatever you want. What do you think about deconstruction? What do you think, what would you say to a person that is in deconstructing, in deconstruction? Um, do you believe that uh, I will, you know, do you believe that um, I'll go to hell? What do you believe? Ask them what they believe and make them answer it because any any spiritual director worth their salt will be able to answer that and will be able to hold the appropriate space for you to ask the questions and to help you understand that wherever you arrive or wherever you end up (laughs) hiatus in you know because whether you arrive or not is not the question but wherever you're at is is an okay place to be not everybody is going to be like me and go a step further and say, I don't think God needs us to decide. I don't think you have to reconstruct. I think God is okay with your questions. I think God encourages questions and wants us to wrestle with ourselves and with God. But not everybody's going to do that. So, Find somebody that can hold space for you, whether it is a living person in your life or whether it is somebody that you have to pay that can hold that space. If you don't have the money to pay for a spiritual director, I would say also this is just an aside any spiritual director, now that's probably too controversial. um, Spiritual directors do offer sliding scale. I think. Because spiritual directors cannot get, cannot accept insurance. I'm just going to say it. I think spiritual directors who really believe in what they do and want to offer it to people should be providing um, sliding scale. They may have limitations on how often they can do, you know, how often they can meet with you, what they're able to do because they have to make a living too. But I think good spiritual directors try to offer at least some sliding scale. That's my opinion. And along with spiritual direction, or if you cannot afford spiritual direction, go to sources. Kathy Escobar has many things on Facebook that she has started and stoked for these kind kinds of conversations so that you don't have to be alone and you can talk to other people and find like-minded people who are working through the same things. Um, In her book, Faith Shift, Finding Your Way Forward When Everything You Believe is Coming Apart, she wrote this a few years ago. So some of it, I think, I think now she would say, sort of like what I've said, it's um, you don't necessarily stop deconstructing. The book is really good and it is very helpful for anybody trying to work their way through this. Another book that I found very helpful that I don't think was meant to be about deconstruction is um, a book by Richard Rohr, and it is um, Richard Rohr's Falling Upward. So not specifically about deconstruction, but I found it very helpful just for holding different things and, you know, losing, losing people and having your faith look different than it did in the beginning, which it should look different. It should not, if you, if you were able to maintain a faith, it shouldn't look at all like what it looked like. It should be shifting and changing and full of questions That's how stuff stays exciting anyway. So read the books. I'm I'm sure there are lots of other books out there. Um, I just haven't read them. I have read Dance of the Dissident Daughter, and that was also very helpful. Um, I know that I forgot the author's name on that, but she has a newer book out too that I'm hoping to read. But just books that hold that space that hold that space that not everybody who was born a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew stays practicing their faith like they did in the beginning or even stays in that faith practice at all. The questions, reading and listening to podcasts where people ask that question, Along with that, I would say as you start to look for literature and podcasts or shows or whatever, that you keep that Resma mimicking model in front of you. And the reason is, one, it's just healthy lifestyle is to be listening and watching and paying attention to what your body reacts to because it is quite possible that your body for a very long period of time has been warning you that certain things don't feel good and are not good for you. And like Adriana said last week, you keep doing them for a really, really, really long time until your body just goes no more. the church often relies on us being good little soldiers and not listening to our bodies tells our bodies, you know, warning signs, the things that people do or and are allowed to do within a religious construct can be very abusive. And if you are listening to something and you get a, Heart palpitation, or your face turns flush, your jaw and your neck get tight, your belly starts to hurt. Pay attention to that. And maybe just stop listening or stop reading and put it aside. And you can come back in a few days or a month and pick it up again and start listening and go, okay, was that a reaction I was having to this? Or was that just something else going on start practicing listening to your own personal inner wisdom because we all have it and it's there to help us navigate avoiding re-traumatization if we have the ability to re to avoid it to not keep putting ourselves into places where something doesn't feel good and we keep doing it because we were raised to keep doing something that didn't feel good because we didn't really have a choice in the matter. You have a choice now. And if you don't have a choice, my hope is that you are able to work yourself into a place where you do have a choice. Whether that's having hard conversations, whether that's working with a therapist on getting yourself out of the situation you're in to a better situation, but that you are in a place where The highest value you can have is beginning to practice that listening to your inner wisdom and following it so that you aren't in danger and you don't keep putting yourself in places where you just listen to somebody because they're on the bestseller list, but they make your skin fucking crawl when you listen to them. Listen to your body's skin crawling and avoid that person. Don't just do it because everybody else likes them. There are a lot of popular people that work for the mass majority of people. They may not work for you. So listen to that voice that says, this is not for me. And that's okay. You don't have to like everybody that's popular. You can like somebody that that's obscure, that... Maybe isn't even talking about deconstruction, but whatever they're saying within it is the same freedom that you need and that you're longing for, and so it works for you. I I just want people to practice over and over and over again listening to what their bodies and their inner voices tell them so that we can get ourselves into a place where we notice when something is off, We notice when somebody is asking us to do something that doesn't fit with who we are and who we wanna be in the world. So I've said a lot today about deconstruction and I I barely scratched the surface and I'm sure there's a lot of things that I missed that um, you're going, wait a second. And if that's the case, please reach out to me. Um, I can I can talk a lot more about it and I probably will in the next season. And maybe I'll get some uh, people that have gone through it that would be willing to share their stories. I think that would probably be really beneficial, even to me. The thing that I want to leave you with is you are not alone. And the thing that gets us to capitulate and do something that maybe is not right for us, often is the feeling that we are alone, and that we're going to stay alone if we continue. And I just want you to know that you are not alone, that I have gone through it. I know so many people, and most, I mean, just about every friend I have has gone through deconstruction. Some of them would not call themselves Christians anymore. Some of them are Wiccan. Some of them are spiritual, but not religious. Some of them probably are very Christian in how they live their life, but wouldn't call themselves Christian. Some would still call themselves Christian. We're all across the board. But you are not alone. You are not alone in this. You are not alone in this. You are not alone in this. this. And if you take one thing away, take that away, that you are not alone in this. Thank you for listening. Please take care of yourself. Be tender with yourself. Be loving with yourself in the process. Remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. You can find me pretty much everywhere under angi-fatal, angi-fatal soul care. I am currently taking clients and would love to talk to you about this or pretty much anything else because the way I do spiritual direction is there's nothing off the table, nothing that we can't talk about. I also am doing Archery, meditative archery with the Jungian journaling and mindful archery in Portland. It's much smaller. I'm doing it about the same amount, but much smaller groups. And you can also get a one on one. So wherever you're at, if you end up in the Portland area and you want to do that with me, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you don't see something on my calendar, just email me or DM me and ask me. I love doing it because it's so empowering. So, just don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for listening. It it it's been an amazing third season, and um, I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe I've done three seasons. <laughs> and in the beginning, I didn't know how to do it, and some might say I still don't. But um, I really, I really feel the connection to you when I'm talking to you. And I hope you do too, because that—that that is one of the most important things to me. Take care, everybody.